Welcome to the WAN Manager Podcast. I'm your host, Greg Bryan, and this is the show where we talk to networking experts about the data services that make business possible. So if you've been a longtime listener to the show, you might recall that last year, my colleague Elizabeth Thorne on the enterprise team here at Telegeography and I did our WAN year in review. Is that what we're going to call it? Yeah, the year Good. in review. Yeah, there we go. All right. Um, 2020 was an interesting year, of course, um, and 2021 kept that going. As as I recall, we talked a lot about how there were no conferences and, and how that affected us. There were no conferences, again, this year for us anyway. We, there was the London Summit. There was. One of our colleagues went to. Fingers crossed that we'll be going to Dusseldorf for March uh, WAN Summit there and New York in May or June. Maybe others. Maybe other conferences in general. We'll see. It Fingers crossed. Certainly would make both of our lives a lot easier. So, um, but that said, uh, we still got a lot done this year. There's plenty to cover in the WAN space, and we wanted to uh, do a kind of whirlwind tour because Lizzie came up with an excellent list for this, and my first comment was, "There's a lot to cover." So, there is. Yeah. Last year, I yeah. don't think we got to everything on we our list not. either. We did not. Yeah, that may again. It, you, if you see this on video, and we'll have little video clips, uh, we don't release the full show in video. We are together in the office in downtown DC. We're having our holiday party today, so hopefully everyone will um, refrain from partying until we're done recording. But yeah. I've heard that the party's going to start at lunch. So All right, we got yeah, time ticking. Well, yeah, let's go. Let's get to this. All right, so yeah, welcome, Lizzie. Thanks for joining us again this year. Of Always happy to be yeah. on. And I thought we'd start just um, with what you've been up to of late. So, um, because it's probably going to inform a lot of what we're talking about, right? So, absolutely. Well, I've been uh, nose to the grindstone working on our WAN manager survey report for 2021. Yet again, this year, we surveyed global WAN managers across various industries on um, their network topology and what they're thinking about some of the top trends in the WAN space this year, that was network security and um, uh, zero trust security and sort of secure access service edge or SASE, mm -hmm. the term that's been spread around quite a bit in the past year or two. Yeah, we, we didn't have that clear of an idea when we started the WAN manager survey in 2018, how it would go, but we've sort of um, alternated between SD-WAN check-ins uh, on the even years and security check-ins on the odd years probably keep that going because I'm sure we, we plan to update SD-WAN next year. So so we have a time series in security to some extent, although SASE wasn't a word when we did our 2019 surveys. No, <laughs> so, and yeah. this is interesting. We'll get into this more in the future, but I still kind of prefer using the term zero trust security, at mm -hmm. least when talking to WAN managers about right. these things, because as far as I've seen, SASE is much more of a um, vendor term, mm. right? It's about the kind of merging of um, SD-WAN and uh, cloud-based network security into kind of one product versus for WAN managers, most of what they're thinking about is, okay, how can I adopt zero trust security right. policies what, how, and make, how do, my, yeah, make my network more secure? Right. How do people get into my network and what can they do when they do isn't really sassy per se. It's, I guess it's an, an element, element of an it. An element of sassy, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But not the one that the IT infrastructure manager is as concerned with, probably. So, all right. Well, 
Um, like I said, you gave us a great outline for um, things that we should talk about from 2021. You want to kick us off? Um, what, what did you think was the most sort of salient issue in 2021 networking? I think top of the mind for everyone is remote work and um, what the future of the office worker is going to look like in, mm -hmm. you know, 2021 and beyond. So hybrid schedules, you know, people coming in to the office a couple days and working remote for the rest um, or going fully remote in the long term is something that WAN managers um, are going to have to be thinking about both in terms of their network procurement for their sites and um, in terms of securing and um, optimizing the end user, uh, the remote end user right. experience. So that's something that definitely a lot of people were thinking about and talking right. about. Right. So kind of two separate streams. One, what's the impact on the office and what I should do there? And then two, how do we keep, you know, everyone just had to put sort of emergency measures that have now, you know, stretched into years. And so it's becoming clear that um, that those emergency measures become permanent solutions, right? And they probably weren't done optimally for most people, <laughs> right? So Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. In fact, I was just talking to someone earlier today about this impact of if now that people are returning to the office, we are in our office. We've been coming in uh, periodically now and then, but we'll almost certainly stick to a schedule that is very much like what most of the corporate uh, knowledge worker world is looking like of a few days at home, a couple of days in the office, something like that. But we're getting into that world where everyone uses Things like this. We have a, a TV with a webcam on it. So we've been doing this at Telegeography for a long time, but it might be new for a lot of organizations to not, you know, forego picking up the handset and um, and instead be using these UCAS tools that are much more bandwidth hungry. Mm -hmm. It's still the case that the typical MPLS size is like what around twenty megs or so. Which, yeah, or less. Yeah, right. In fact, we probably will talk about that. That bandwidths are skewing lower for MPLS than they had been and higher for internet, which is part of this problem, right? That that it probably doesn't make a whole lot of sense to run your Teams or uh, Zoom meeting over your MPLS circuit. Right, so, right. that's a, yeah. kind of an interesting phenomenon to watch. I think when this very first started, um, we were kind of looking at it like, oh, well, maybe this means in the future um, bandwidth, like, when managers will be able to decrease the amount of bandwidth they're provisioning for offices if there's going to be less right. people in. But actually, it seems like kind of the opposite is right. happening because so many companies have adopted Zoom, like you said, and other UCAS tools. Um, when they do return to the office, they're actually probably going to be using even more bandwidth than mm -hmm. they had in the past. Right, right. But probably not MPLS, which... I assume we'll talk about too. Yeah, we will later. So, yeah. Well, that's the other well, yeah. thing is that... Um, yeah you know, the sort of leap into working remote and everything going over the internet for a lot of people, residential internet was kind of a proof of concept mm -hmm. of you can right. run video conferencing just over broadband or, mm -hmm. you know, other internet services and it'll work 90% of the time, which is yeah. good enough. Yeah. And, and people are, I think there's just a cultural change of people are fine with good enough or, you know, yeah, exactly. Change and, of expectations. Yeah, exactly. Now, the other thing that you had listed here, which I think is really worth talking about, I'm thinking about this a lot because I'm working on our market sizing model that, uh, that you know, tries to understand the, the dollar value of, of the WAN market globally. 
Um, and so I had to, you have to figure out how many offices are there in the world. Yeah. And it's, you know, historically unusual to have a decrease in the number of offices. If you look at people with assumptions from real estate economics and stuff like that, uh, no one knows quite what to do. We have personally talked to some way managers who said they have heard from their bosses that they might be shutting offices down. I looked at some outside research from, you know, various research firms like McKenzie and PwC that said definitely some managers are thinking about shutting down offices. So the WAN IT infrastructure teams might have fewer places to connect. Yet at the same time, then your endpoints are also multiplied greatly because the every right, every office you shut down, yeah, has and and I think something also even maybe slightly different than that, which is that there might be a a general decentralization toward smaller offices in more, you know, sort of, I don't know, tier two or three mm -hmm. cities that you didn't see before, which if that is a result of this all, um, just because a lot of people have been moving away from the sort of, you know, now that they are untethered from a particular job market, they've been moving to, um, you know, in the U.S., non-coastal <laughs> locations and stuff like that, right? I'm sure similar trends every, everywhere else. And that's going to have an effect of, of some additional challenges for the IT infrastructure teams. If your management is looking for cheaper real estate, either in the exurbs or maybe even in a tier three city or something, then all of a sudden you're not necessarily dealing with the same set of providers that mm -hmm. you're used to or having to change your strategy there. We all know that broadband and DIA especially are kind of difficult to procure in some less served markets. So. Right. Especially if you're coupling this with an SD-WAN deployment or general right. hybrid networking, you're going to have to start really looking at the internet diversity mm -hmm. in some of these places. Right. Which I think we'll, if we get to it, we'll talk about 5G later too. So that'll be fun. Yeah. I do think this is one of those things where it's not necessarily going to sneak up on people because right. um, real estate is a pretty slow moving beast mm -hmm. and many places are locked into like 10 year leases. Right. Um, that's more of like the average time span for these sorts of things. So mm -hmm. this is definitely going to be something we see play out over time. But yeah. I think for many companies, the intention right. is there. Right. Yeah. And I mean, same in that workspace that, you know, especially if you're still in an MPLS kind of contract, it's probably three or five years. So it's not like you could immediately turn down your MPLS. But ultimately, I, I still think we've we've seen some movement there. So we'll, we'll talk about that. Now, you you mentioned SD-WAN. So let's move to there. Um, we didn't check in on SD-WAN this year. That was in our 2020. Um, but we have reason to believe that SD-WAN is probably in about the majority of the market now, right? So Yeah, in 2020, we found that uh, just over 40% of our respondents had uh, installed SD-WAN on their networks, which was like a pretty sizable increase from 2018, where it was like maybe more closer to 18%. Yeah, 18%. Yeah. So mm -hmm. that was a pretty sizable increase. And additionally, uh, many more people, the majority of our respondents were sort of in the pipeline right. for installing. Right. So we That's can imagine that you know, in the past year, many of them have completed or, you know, at least partially mm -hmm. completed their SD-WAN installments. Yeah, for sure. I, I think that it's probably safe to say that at least among the type of enterprises that we talk to, that caveat, ranks right, people who don't pay attention to surveys and conferences and whatnot may be behind, but the, the, there's probably a, something like a majority of the market that has adopted SD-WAN. 
What about how they're getting SD-WAN? So changes from the DIY model, which mm-hmm. was like very, very common, definitely a strong plurality when we first looked into it. Has that shifted? Are they going more for the the full kind of service stack uh, from a carrier or an MSP or something? Yeah, there definitely has been a shift there, both on the enterprise side and in terms of what the vendors are offering. Um, many of the first adopters of SD-WAN were doing it, you know, straight with the SD-WAN vendor themselves. Mm-hmm. And there were two reasons for that. One was because a lot of these first adopters had... That's all there was. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- this is all there was. Yeah. If they tried to go to their carrier, the carrier right. didn't really know what they were talking about or didn't have those sorts of relationships established yet. And also some of these first adopters um, were more likely to have a you know sizable... Um, WAN team who could manage an SD-WAN deployment on their mm-hmm. own and, you know, do all of that design and deployment versus now, you know, in 2017, when we started covering the SD-WAN market, there were only 11 managed SD-WAN service offerings. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2021, we've seen uh, 80 um, managed SD-WAN yeah, providers. That's so that's a pretty huge yeah. maturation in the market. Yeah. Like all the carriers have gotten in on it. The, the SIs, the sort mm-hmm. of, you know, um, uh, business outsourcing IT groups of the world have gotten in some, you know, even kind of small providers that are really sort of focused on maybe the mid market and getting them SD-WAN and stuff like yeah, that. Exactly. So, yeah. so what that means is it's more options for enterprises who maybe don't have the, um, the in-house capability to go DIY and manage and deploy everything themselves now have that option available to them. So I think we'll see an even greater expansion of SD-WAN into the general enterprise and mid-market as right. a result of this. Yeah, one thing I'm really curious about when we update those data for you know whatever quarter two of 2022 is to see what the I don't want SD-WAN group looks like because mm. it was uh, in 2018, it was almost no one because it, it would be unlikely by then that you would have like evaluated it and decided against it. There's a handful by 2020. It was like a little bit less than one in 10. still a very yeah. small minority. So it'd be interesting to see if there's, if there's any, and we've talked to some, we've had some interviews with someone who said, yeah, I looked at SD-WAN. It's not for us. We, and that tends to be more the enterprise that works almost like a small carrier, like uh, where they have a very large sourcing team and maybe they even have like a lot of point-to-point service and stuff like that. And so it's out there, but I think it'll remain a very small part of the market, you know, so. Well, so there's that um, that contingent of people where like they're so large that, mm-hmm. you know, they might not even want to be running broadband necessarily, but then you also have kind of the exact opposite of that, right. which is, um, internet is good enough. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. Where they're like, maybe we just can run everything over the internet mm-hmm. with some cloud-based security protocols and, you know, essentially adopt the approach that many small and right. medium-sized businesses have been using for a while now, mm-hmm. like such as telegeography. Yeah. Like, we don't you have get, a plan. You get we do Google suites and you have your security. Ba- yeah, exactly. So you don't, you don't really have a WAN and that, I think that may work for a particular type of vertical maybe kind of in the technology area of some some kinds of technology companies but probably never going to be a um a good solution for most of of the kind of like global 5000 enterprises that we look at but they'll be out there i'm sure so so on that with with the internet 
only WAN. I think internet only without SD-WAN is going to be a very small minority. Mm-hmm. Even still, internet only with SD-WAN is still not that huge of a group. But we've definitely seen the uh, the decline of MPLS in real data. Tell us about that. And yeah. it, this one surprised me even at, at like because we've been telling the story for a long time. It's always nice to see uh, the the curve that you've drawn out uh, in your forecast kind of uh, match what the reality becomes. <laughs> yeah. So in our yeah. most recent 2021 um, network survey data from the WAN Manager Survey, we see MPLS for the first time went below 50 yeah. percent of. Um, you know, average sites in right. the respondent network, it was 46% of respondent sites. And then DIA is catching up. It's at 44% of response sites. That is mm-hmm. a huge change from mm-hmm. just four years ago where MPLS was at a strong majority of sites, like 80%. Yeah. And then DIA was like maybe 20%. 20, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're definitely seeing that convergence happening in real time. Yeah, and this is of course an average. There's some out there with 100% of MPLS mm-hmm. and some with zero MPLS, and but it kind of gives credence to that model that is one of our hypotheticals that I'll be writing about uh, early next year of like the the sort of tiered networks. Okay, I'm keeping MPLS at my core important sites, headquarters, large branch offices, but alongside a, a DIA maybe as as the other active connection, whereas before I might have had two MPLS ports, you know. That's yeah, exactly. We see it um, also reflected when we ask people about, you know, their MPLS backups for those who still have MPLS. Mm-hmm. Um, four years ago, it was most common to have an active-active, right. you know, MPLS setup with, you know, having uh, active-passive MPLS being the next most common. Right. And now the most common backup solution is to have alternative connectivity services. Right. Like you might have MPLS as your active line, but then you would have DIA or broadband or even mobile mm-hmm. um, as your secondary line, giving you that redundancy. And that can potentially allow people to, you know, kind of drastically cut their MPLS spend while still maintaining MPLS at the sites that they need them. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I end up saying this to a lot of our benchmarking customers, whether we're talking from really either side of, of that market, the carrier side or the enterprise side, which is that, you know, sort of the thing that surprises people is that if you can get rid of those MPLS backups, an MPLS backup always has to have its own local access line, fully redundant. That's a pain for the carrier to source or it's expensive for the enterprise to pay for that pass through cost. And so just being able to free yourself from the uh, from the MPLS backup, even if you kept MPLS at 100% of sites and didn't change anything about your network, you could lower the cost of it because a DIA or broadband connection especially is, is very likely to be cheaper than than having that MPLS uh, redundant connection. So Right. And one more thing I found interesting in, in the, uh, the data is in 2018, almost one in four respondents who had MPLS had no backup mm-hmm. for their MPLS at all. And that has gone down drastically to right. like less than 10%. So right. the ability to, you know, have a, a fairly cheaper mm-hmm. backup line actually increases, you know, right. the amount of redundancy that yeah. you're able to source for your network for some people. So that fulfills that promise of SD-WAN to improve, not just like your application performance, but your network resiliency, even mm-hmm. if you're in the MPLS world. You can improve your resiliency without adding too much additional cost. Um, so yeah, we'll see um, the network stuff. I mentioned that we alternate 
SD-WAN and security, the network stuff we cover every year. So we should be able to get a picture next year if DIA overtakes MPLS as the mm -hmm. most common WAN product. I'm pulling for it. We'll see. <laughs> I don't have a horse in that race, but it's just, it really is, it really is interesting to see that, especially a few years ago, a lot of people were kind of making the argument of like, oh, MPLS is dead. We, we sort of took the sort of middle of the road approach of like, oh, you know, um, it's going to decline. It's not going to disappear. And that seems to be what's happening, right? That um, so people still have a use for MPLS and might for a very long time. Although, if I recall correctly, um, in a lot of the interviews we did in conjunction with the survey, we heard more than one person say, we still have MPLS because I couldn't sell um, my bosses on getting rid of it. But after a couple of years of running SD-WAN and having everything go smoothly, we might jettison MPLS. Is that a sentiment uh, that, that you think we've heard uh, fairly often? Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think people were uh, some people are pleasantly surprised mm -hmm. at how well DIA can work, right. um, especially with load balancing. If you have two different lines going where they're both like neither one is particularly prioritized, you might actually see traffic um, naturally moving over to the DIA connection. Mm -hmm. um, though I will say in terms of um, reasons that you might keep MPLS around on your network, um, we've heard a variety of things. You know, some people need it for their like telephony. Mm -hmm. They still have like hard phones in their yeah. offices. Some might need it for certain regions like China. Right. Like we talked to some people where they might have um, plans to have a full, you know, SD-WAN with internet network across the globe, but then the one exception is China. Mm -hmm. so. And other, there's a couple of the difficult markets, but yeah, as a matter of fact, in, in my hypothetical scenarios that I'll be writing about next year early, I never got rid of the MPLS in China and a couple of other hard markets. And, the, and uh, well, China is its own thing, but there's also, if you have sites in say Africa, for example, a local ISP in Africa mm -hmm. might be really problematic for various reasons. Um, I don't know if on your list we have to talk about the middle mile. Yeah, we do. So we might hit that a little bit more there, but you know, if, if you have a local ISP that operates in a single or a couple of markets, say in the, the developing world, that traffic might have a bunch of different hops and peering arrangements and everything be between that and the the first mile, right? Because your cloud service provider might not be super close to some mm. of those more. So I, th I think we'll see MPLS stick around in, in some of those more difficult markets because there's someone that's responsible for that traffic there, you know? So, And in the U.S., you know what I mean? It, um, th there are difficult places in the US in that sense as well. Um, or you just have, you know, industries that can't give up on that kind of classic carrier grade SLA and, you know, um, uh, class of service needs for certain kinds of applications that haven't exactly been fully cloudified for the public internet. And right. I mean, we talked know. to one person in an interview where um, they were planning on going full DIA um, in their network and then they work with the government and the government released their right. regulations so then right. they had to kind of roll that back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So there's going to be a lot of, you, you can um, sort of view these things too much through the lens of the, the network architect in terms of like, what would just make sense from a technological perspective doesn't always make sense on the ground with mm -hmm. the market realities or regulatory realities such as they are. So yeah, well, on that, compliance and uh, reporting and whatnot ends up uh, under the security team a lot. When we we asked a bunch of questions about 
security um, this year. Again, kind of squashing together some of our time series questions about zero trust with with sassy elements. What do we find out? Because I'll be honest, I haven't read this yet, so I'm going to have to really uh, rely on you. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, so the biggest thing we probably found is just that there's like zero trust security, which um, if listeners aren't necessarily familiar, basically means, you know, never trust, always verify in your network rather than having, you know, your kind of castle and moat where users use their, their password or credentials to get in and then they kind of have access to many things um, horizontally across the, right. the network like the managed access, like a, right, a user, you're not once in, uh, once you break through the, the wall, you're into the network, but this is still like everything, every application is managed, which right. is a big task to change over from, from those. You know, it is. So, and there's yeah. lots of different things that fall under that umbrella. It's not necessarily like a single product. It's mm-hmm. a lot of, it's more of a security philosophy. Um, but given that we found that zero trust security principles and just kind of awareness of those principles mm-hmm. is much more prevalent Mm -hmm. among our enterprise respondents. Uh, We first asked about this in 2019. And we've, at that time, it was like only 9% of respondents had implemented some sort of zero trust security in their network. And that has risen to um, just over one third of respondents. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, again, that can mean so many different things. Right. Because we're just saying, what like if if you've implemented maybe one or two elements of zero trust or sassy then you you would answer that so among that third who have it's probably very few who have a kind of full sassy stack totally exactly right? yeah so. like when we really drilled into what features they had actually implemented uh the two most common by far were multi-factor authentication and single sign-on right. and then when you ask people yeah. like, okay well how did you do that a lot of it was literally like, oh, well, we use like Office 365 and we use the login right. through that. We use Active Directory. Duo or something. You know, yeah. it, a lot of it came from using um, the services that were already that, available right. through the incumbent um, technology. I mean, that that's really interesting, right? Yeah. I mean, this, it was the same thing with, with UCAS um, developing for the enterprise. I remember going to a conference like I'm many years ago, like let's say five years ago and Oh, here's, you know, Skype for business and Cisco Jabber. And it's like, oh, these are the consumer tools I've been using for 10 years right? Exactly. that are born on the Internet, that work on the Internet, which is part of driving all of this, you know, sort of moving away from MPLS or whatever. But it's, it takes a long time for the technologies that we're all familiar with as just individual users to get to that enterprise grade or whatever. But you're indicating something that's, I think, really worth highlighting there, which is that like, oh, I have an element of ZTS or SASE implemented, but it's just through my cloud providers anyway. Right? I so, thought it was really yeah. interesting because so much of what we see driving people towards SD-WAN and the internet and everything, it's literally using Office 365 or other right. enterprise cloud tools. Mm-hmm. And to right. see that kind of replicated as well in the zero trust security space, I just found so interesting. Mm-hmm. And then on the flip side of that, like I said, there's lots of different things that fall inside of zero trust security. And some of them are way more um, bespoke. You could say that you actually have to do it yourself. And the biggest one of that is probably network segmentation, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, looking at the different uh, data lakes and silos in your network and determining, you know, who can access what and making sure that, you know, 
some uh, confidential data is not sitting in the same place as something else that other people are accessing where they shouldn't be accessing the confidential stuff or all these different things. And um, that had one of the lowest implementations. And when I asked people who, you know, said that they had this on their network or they'd attempted it, you know, how did that go? Right. It was pretty grim. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, some people, I, I talked to one person who was like, in the middle of trying to do this, my CTO told me, oh, yeah, this is more of just an engineering thought experiment. Most like people haven't really done this. He's like, well, you could have told right. me that yeah. earlier because um, especially with network segmentation, it's sort of like the the unknown unknowns mm -hmm. of your network become known, especially of, like these, what's yeah, on my network. network. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. like you kind of yeah. overturn stones that can you, cause kind of a cascade of right. issues. And so. Most of the people I talked to felt that they were not really in a place where they could do like a full network segmentation mm -hmm. um, project, um, which I thought was really interesting because right. it just kind of shows how uneven some of these um, different pillars of mm -hmm. zero trust security are being, you know, implemented. Right. Well, that, and that brings me, I think, to an interesting point about sort of the real issue with ZTS and and now SASE. Um, I think has been an HR issue, and, and this is this is not unique to 2021 by any means. It's kind of been discussed for a while, but I think it's really coming to a head in, in terms of like the IT team realizing they need to implement some of these things, but that there's a complication that they first must overcome, which is that security might sit under um, the general IT security mm -hmm. rather than under the IT infrastructure team, or worse than that, it might sit under the general security uh sort of silo of the company that is the same you know sort of um uh, folks managing the people who scan your badge in the lobby and stuff like that right so i think i think bringing um all of that together under something that makes sense to the the it infrastructure team is the real challenge right? so, yeah and you mentioned iot this is another pain mm, point that various people mm, brought mm -hmm. up which is that as smart devices right. are becoming more prevalent in workplaces um like WAM managers as at the same time as they're trying to do all this stuff of like moving things off premises and everything right. going into the cloud, they're like, I'm some, I'm somehow now a facilities manager. Right. Exactly. You yeah. know, and like certain things like, you know, this, the door network or like the, mm -hmm. um, vending machine network. I don't want that to touch anything else going right. on here. So yeah. that like further complicates the network. Yeah. The, the concept that we've talked about before, like the shadow it, right. Mm -hmm. in, in the cloudification, the, digital transformation, it was often people would adopt some kind of cloud service without checking with, with network team at all. But now it's like they might even install IoT devices without checking as long as you can get it on the Wi-Fi or whatever. Mm -hmm. right? then, exactly. Yeah. And so that, that I think, again, it becomes kind of, a, you know, the, the WAN or IT infrastructure manager is not merely a technologist, but is really kind of a, a manager of, of people of, of HR kind of issues, right? So... Mm -hmm. Yeah. And before we move on from this topic, um, I'm not sure how carefully we need to talk about this, but in terms of sassy, right? <laughs> What's out there? <laughs> what, like, what is sassy? What is sassy not? Um, I talk to people about this. It's because, a capacious term. If yeah, you will. indeed. Yes. Because honestly, through my conversation with people, really what I, the conclusion I came to is that at the moment, sassy is a vendor term and not necessarily. Yeah. 
an sure. enterprise term, yeah. right? And it's much more like, um, I mean, we even saw this many companies that previously had been SD-WAN vendors have rebranded to SASE vendors. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like, well, what does this really mean? Right. Well, just like SD-WAN washing, where if I, if I was in, say, WAN op in 2016, then all of a sudden I became SD-WAN or mm-hmm. whatever, right? So, yeah. And not to say that there's not genuine changes in the technology going on there, but, you know, there, there is a definite response to some marketing and, and hype here, for sure, you know. Yeah, and one thing I'll be curious to see in this you know, kind of growing market is uh, one of the things about SASE from the vendor perspective um, really seems to be like wanting buy-in to be the one-stop shop, not just right. for SD-WAN and network management, but also for the network security management. Mm-hmm. And I didn't necessarily hear from any one of the large enterprises that we talked to who were interested in necessarily biting on that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them maintain independent relationships with their network vendors and prefer to be able to evaluate them and mm-hmm. drop and replace um, as they see fit so that they can always keep the best of breed right. um, vendor. So I'm curious to see if, you know, this sort of like one-stop shop thing gets adopted by them or if it's perhaps more aimed at the... The later um, adopters. Yeah. Not even the later adopters, yeah. but sort of like the, the mid-size market. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly the, the larger your network... Uh, the more endpoints, the more uh, complex it becomes, the more likely you are to need multiple vendors. Uh, I think it's also probably a factor. So I spend more time, you spend sort of more time than me talking directly to the enterprises in some cases, doing all those interviews for the survey. I spend a little bit more time going to like proof of concepts mm-hmm. by the vendors and, yeah. and vendor talks and whatnot. And it was my impression that they are trying really hard to come to market with a sort of full sassy stack and define that, but they haven't yet. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and so that, you know, if we, if we see enterprises saying, okay, well, I'm not going to a single provider for this, it might be in part because it doesn't exist yet. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? So I, I think, I think as it, it might develop very much like SD-WAN did where, like we said before, when you looked in on SD-WAN in 2018, most people were going vendor direct. Their carriers didn't have an SD-WAN offering yet. Now we see a plurality going with some kind of managed service uh, from a carrier or MSP. I think eventually the security thing may congeal there, but we found most people were using like a huge mix yeah. of vendors, right? That's so, the other yeah. thing is that most people had like four or five different mm-hmm. just networks security right. infrastructure. Right, right. Networks. Not not like piecing together different uh, sort of technologies, but even just like four different network security vendors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there's like a lot of um, issues with like tech debt remediation right. because for some of them it's like, well, we're trying to sunset this, but mm-hmm. it's on like 2,000 different routers. Or we acquired this company. Yeah, that's a huge yeah, M&A. Exactly, yeah. Um, bringing in different vendors to your Mm -hmm. network. Um, So there's just like a lot of that going on as well. It's going to take a a, a very long time, I think many years for the dust to settle on all of that for it to be, oh, this is a thing that I go to, you know, a small number of very large, you know, managed services providers and get. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that's still a ways off. Thanks very much for listening. The WAN Manager podcast is brought to you by Telegeography, a division of Primetrica Incorporated, and is edited and produced by Jane Miller. 
I wrote the theme song you're listening to right now, and we get administrative canine support from my dog, Honeybun, who you might hear chiming in from time to time when the mood strikes her. If you want to learn more about our data, head over to telegeography.com, where you can find our blog that covers many of the topics we hit here, and you can sign up for our WAN Manager newsletter. Until next time, have a great day.